grasp it. We're still a ways from getting there. <laughs> it's like, okay, I think I'm almost getting there. And, and, and then we begin to start stepping into that thing, and, and we do that. So if you've got, everybody got those purple, purple sheets? You got a purple sheet? Anybody need one? Richard just came in, so I'm going to work him. If you need one, if you've got one of those purple sheets, get it. And we'll, we'll, if you need one, just kind of hold your hand up, and, and Richard will get, will get that to you and get that for you. Because I want to start out there. We're going to look at, we're going to start out with view of admonition. View of admonition. Some of the things that we are, we're stepping through, and I know that, that we're just, we're getting there. And if, you, if you've not read the book, please try to do so. Um, it'll bring you up to speed. You'll be able to get into it faster. One back at D back there is back there. We're going to bring her up to speed on some things. Um. But get into the book. I know some of you have been like me that it was like, you know, it's been it's hard to get into. Or when you first get into it, you're thinking, oh, yeah, okay. But then when you get into it, I'm telling you, the meat is really in the middle and the end of that book. So um, some of the testimony that he gives kind of sets it up in order to get in there, in order to be able to get to get into what he's really understanding. How many of you ever heard of Derek Prince? Derek Prince, okay. Well, he mentions about Derek Prince there that, uh, Derek Prince was a, a tremendous ministry. He, he deliverance ministry. People got healed. He, you know, definitely was a demon buster. And and um, and he talked about Derek Prince even in his 80s, fought some different things all the, all of his life. Even though he ministered, but he really came into a sonship, into his 80s. And I don't want to be like that. I, I want to get that before then. I want to get that, and I want to get it before. I go to heaven, you know. I really don't need the sonship when I get to heaven. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, I want healing here because I don't need it there, right? You know, it's like I want wisdom here because when I get there, I, w- I really won't need the wisdom. Are you with me? I need revelation here because I need it here. I don't need it there. I, I need it here. You know, so those are the things that we're really beginning to step into. And I know, I know Darren and Sheila and and the group from Atoka, they really helped bring some things in. I think they shifted some things spiritually. Um, Jared, when he shared about uh, about a son and how, you know, he fought that message and how he, he, he didn't want to, to move into it and how certain things he thought he could do. As we began to look at this, this is not about pointing out any fault. Do you, do you hear me? It's not about pointing out any fault. When you read something and you see where it might be considered an orphan heart or an orphan spirit. It's not to point it out to make fun of you or me, okay? It really has helped me bring some wisdom and revelation to know that's what it is that I'm dealing with. Because as believers, when we come to Christ, I mean, we, we, we operate by faith. I'm saved by God's grace through faith, right? I'm saved by God's grace. I didn't lose 20 pounds when I became a believer. Do you know what I mean? My hair didn't just grow back. I didn't get younger when I became a believer. And, and I had this great and wonderful experience of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And, and I began to start moving into that. But I really would think, well, is this really for me or is it for somebody else? Are the promises in the word of God really for us? And that's what we have to really begin to attack. Because the enemy's over here out of the dark kingdom saying, no, it's not for you. 
it's for Angela, it's for Linda, it's for Susan, it's for Trish, it's for Tom, it, you know, but it's not for you. Or we have a certain standard that says, here's where you got to get to. You know, we want to climb our mountain of transformation. But there's, there's, when we look at it, sometimes we can look at it and think Christianity is, here's the standard, I got to get to that standard. Does that make sense? Am I being real tonight? Because we got to get to that standard. So then as you start walking in the things of God and you begin to start realizing, I don't think I can meet that. That's a sobering thing. So then you begin to wonder, is this thing really real? Is what's happening on the inside of me really real? Tell your neighbor, say, it's real. So there can be some discontentment as we move into some things. I remember part of my testimony is, I didn't even know what a Pentecostal church was back then. I know what it is now. And I don't want to label anything, but this church was was free. They they loved the Lord. And I didn't know what was going on. They had a full band, and they were like, you ever been to church? And I was like, yeah, I've been a few times when I was a kid, but I usually mainly siphoned gas out of the cars that were in the parking lot at the church. So I knew they'd be in there for a little while, and I would do that, you know. And isn't that amazing? God's got a good sense of humor, huh? And um, and, and I'm saying that because now there's times where I send the ushers out like, you guys need to go out in the parking lot. I remember the first time I mentioned it to the ushers. They were like, go out in the parking lot. Why? I said, trust me. While we're in here, somebody needs in that parking lot walking that thing and praying over the people's cars and seeing some things that are going on. So tell your neighbor your car's safe. So when 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 you first step into understanding the things of God, it's like, I don't know if I can comprehend it. And then you learn a little bit and you begin to start stepping into it. And then you think you got God figured out. and poof, He's bigger than that. You know what I mean? And then you see somebody do something else and they're like, is that God? Is that not God? Is that God? Is that God? It's not God. It's God. And there can be some really difficult things that you may think that ah, don't make any sense. And it can be God. There can be some difficult things that doesn't make any sense and it not be God. But as I began to start walking into this, I came to this church and I gave my, my life to Christ at an altar. I didn't know what was going on, and I guess they were wanting me to pray in the Holy Ghost, and I didn't even know who the Holy Ghost was. It was just all I knew was that I was I knew I needed a Savior. I knew that when I if I died, I, I didn't want to go to hell. And a lot of times we'll make that decision. They'll walk the aisle just not to go to hell. But there's more than that. And that's what I want. Because if it's just about not going to hell, then as soon as I become a believer, I'm like, baptize me, hold me under, let me go to heaven. Are you with me? Because there's no other reason for me to be here, but there is a reason. See, there is a reason. There's a reason more than just salvation of us getting our fireproof insurance or whatever it might be or to be born again so I can go to heaven, we need that on this earth. We need it here. We need the authority. We need the dominion. We need the real rulership. We need the wisdom. We need the revelation. I need the worship. How many of you know it's here I need the worship? I mean, when I get to heaven, uh, you know, I don't, there's, heaven's going to be a whole lot bigger than what some of us think it is. Some of us think we're just going to be floating around on a cloud worshiping the Lord. 
And that might be where you're going to be, but I'm going to be hanging out with Moses, and I want to see the Red Sea. You know, I want to, I want to like, show me some stuff, you know. Give me some, give me some videos. Show me something that's, you know, I want to, let me put in the DVD of, you know, imparting the Red Sea. Wouldn't that be cool? You know what I mean? It's like, I want to see how that happened, you know. I, I want to, I want to see Jesus. I want to, because, you know, we got our ideas that we see Jesus heal the blind and, you know, or heal the lame and, and cast out demons and, and, you know, he lays hands on the sick and they recover and they come to him and they can't see and, you know, he, he gets the mud and he spits on it and he puts it on your eye. How many of you know, I heard, I heard a testimony not long ago about they were reading the word of God and, and maybe, if, maybe you've seen this, if you've seen this on CBN, it was on CBN one night and and it was like they were reading the Word of God. And this man was blind. And they read the passage of Scripture about where Jesus had spit on the mud and put it on his eyes. And they were sitting at the table, and he looked at his wife, and he said, Honey, will you do that? And she was like, You, you want me to spit on the mud? He said, Yeah, spit on the mud and put it on my eyes. And she, a big loogie. And she spit on the mud. I'm serious. This is, she spit on the mud, mixed it up in her hands, and put it on his eyes. Do you know what? He was healed. And I was sitting there going, isn't that just like God? The things the Bible says, it's the foolish things that confound the wise. Now, if we said, you know what? We got to spit in the mud and put it on your eyes. And, and the Lord's telling you to do it. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to do it. So sometimes we get to the place where it's like, okay, I'm walking through these things, and you're trying to determine, is it God? Is it not God? Is, is it okay? Is it me? Is it, you know, what is it that's going on? And I really believe we've got to come into that identity of the son. We've got to come to the place where we are a son of God. And when we operate in that and understand that, and there is identity crisis in the, in the church today, but we're shifting that. I want it to be shifted in me. Our prayer is for you guys to have an encounter, not just one. Shell and I were talking about it the other day. Not just one encounter, but encounters. Encounters. I encountered something today. Can I tell you what happened today? Um, I was... Um, the Ministerial Alliance has a Lenten service. And Lenten is just a period of time where from now and uh, through the resurrection, I think it's 40 days or something like that, to the resurrection of Christ, that it's a religious, traditional kind of thing where you make a sacrifice, you give up something. Um, you know, we don't really participate in that because I think you, you need to have that attitude your whole life. And not just for a season, and that's okay, but that's my personal opinion. And we had this Lenten service, and it was this Wednesday. It was at the First United Methodist Church. And, um, and I got to preach. I'm honored to be able to preach. And I was this morning, I was trying to determine what I was going to speak on. And I don't mean this to put anybody else down in any way, shape, or form. But I felt that the Lord told me to take communion. The Lord's Supper. And I was like, there's Catholics there. There's some Episcopal people. 
There's Methodists, there might be some Baptists, there might be, you know, other denominations will be there. It's never been done since I've been here for 12 years. We've come together and gathered. We've taken up offerings. We've had preachers. Every Wednesday night, every Wednesday afternoon from 12 to 1, a preacher preaches. So for the past six weeks, every Wednesday, somebody has been there and preached, and it was, it was my turn. And I said, okay, so we'll do that. And I was excited about it. I was excited about it. I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> this is going to be good. We're going to get together. And we're standing up there, and there's a group of pastors, and I'm asking them, look, if you guys will come down here and you'll you know, participate in the offering. You know, you four guys, and, and there's three guys and a girl. And, and it was like, okay, uh, do the offering. When you come back, I want you to distribute communion. And one guy looked at me, and he goes, whoa, you're bold. And I said, uh, we're going to do the Lord's Supper. And he was like, whoa, are you going to give them permission not to take it if they don't want to? And I was like, I don't understand. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, there may be some that may not want to take it. And, I, and my heart just went, oh, my. And Kevin was, was there. And I was trying not, I mean, I mean, I felt like I got hit with a two by four. And I was kind of going, Kevin said, my, you know, my head got started getting red. And I, I kind of, uh, you know, I started turning red. And he said, you handled it good. So I was like, I'm not going to let this keep what God wanted to do. Debbie was there. Debbie did an awesome job today. Give her some, just give her some praise because she, at short notice, I said, Debbie, would you do me a favor? Come play that trumpet, you know. And she did an awesome job today. But the communion, the Lord's Supper, I mean, the anointing was there today. And we stepped into that thing. And that, and that pastor, that pastor was just, I mean, it was like, to me, it was like, ooh, it hurt. And, I, and you know, I'm kind of a happy, kind of go lucky guy. I was like, well, why not? You know, and well, because some churches take it certain ways and some churches don't take it certain ways. Well, come to find out, I don't even think about these things because I look at the word of God and I didn't know you had to be a certain person to be able to distribute communion. You know what I mean? I mean, I thought the disciples did that. And when we become a believer and a disciple, then, you know, I can take communion. I can have communion. I can give communion. You know what I mean? It's like, so I was just, I said, well, you know, all I'm going to do is give the word. And here's what we want to do. I want to I have you guys come up. I'm going to have you guys pass the communion. You come back up. I'll serve everybody else. And I'm not going to have them take it right away. And sometimes how we do it, you know, sometimes we've done it many different ways. And I just wasn't, you know, I just wasn't thinking one way. And I'm telling you, as I was standing behind that pulpit, I couldn't stop weeping. And it came down to where we were just talking about it. And, 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 I, and I just, and I thought, here I am standing in front of these people in the community from different churches. And I'm thinking the whole time. Who's going to take communion? Who's not going to take communion? And I, and I said, I am not going to let the enemy steal what he's wanting to do here because it had never been done. So it's kind of like it's all of us. We feel pretty good together when we're used to doing certain things and do communion or whatever it might be. We can do that, and it's like, okay, it's good. And you guys know that sometimes you come up, you can take it by yourself, you can take it as a family, you can, you know what I mean? It's just like however you feel the spirit of the Lord leading. But I guess other churches aren't that way. So I don't know about a whole lot of other churches. So the anointing hit. And as I was 
looking at the cross. I kept looking at the cross, and they had a cross. And I kept looking at the cross, and I said, don't you focus on what we're doing here, but focus on the cross. So I tried to get their minds off of this is how we normally do it in our church to this is what it's about. And I began to share about the communion. And I, and I talked about when Paul said, this is what I got from the Lord. And then we played that music by Sherry Kagi. And we said, examine yourself. And I, I don't know what everybody else was doing because I was weeping. And I had to turn around. It was, it was so, it just, it, I was having an experience with God. I was having an experience with God in front of those people. But I didn't really pay any attention I remember looking over and seeing one of the other pastors, and they, were, they, were, they had the communion elements. And when we got done, I just felt that the Lord did whatever he wanted to do there. And, and, and when we got done, it wasn't about, oh, that's nice, wonderful job, pat you on the back. I know God was there. And, and the other pastor turned and afterwards, and we were eating, and he, he, I came around and I talked to him, and he said, well, I guess everybody took communion today. <laughs> and I was thinking, I, they can take it if they want to. If they don't want to, it's okay too. But basically I told them, I said, hey, it's okay. God says it's okay if you want to take communion. It's all right to take communion. If you want to take communion, it's all right. If you decide not to take it, that's all right. But God says it's all right to take communion. And we have a good God. And he loves you. You know, and it was like, I wanted to get into the sonship thing right there. And I'm like, no, I don't think they want to shift that thing right now. But I had an experience and an encounter. And I, I struggled. Even when I came home, I sat in my office with my wife. And she started talking to me. And I, I began to weep. Maybe I'm like Jeremiah, going to be the weeping prophet or something. I don't know. But I want that for you. Because no matter how the church is, we have to encounter God. If we don't have an encounter with God, we won't change. I had an encounter with God when I was 20 years old. And I gave my life to Christ. I did at the altar. That was my defining moment. But a week later... I was back buying and supplying. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I was felt like I was trying to live a moral life. I had certain morals, but yet there were some things that weren't. But it wasn't about now. It's not about what I achieve in God. Because I've already achieved that. See, I can't say this to everybody on a Sunday morning. Because people will go, well, okay, then, you know, I can just... Live like I want to, do what I want to do, whatever it might be, and K Sarasaran will be wherever we are. I don't want that for anybody. I don't want that for myself. But I don't want to be a person that doesn't encounter what God has. So in order for me to give up drugs, alcohol, whatever it might be in your life that you're dealing with, issues that we're struggling with, I want to have an encounter with God in that area. Do you know what I mean? I had an encounter with God that he was greater than Satan. And he is greater than Satan. 
He's greater than Lucifer. He's greater than the demons. He's greater than the devil. He's greater than the imps and the, all the other names that you might have for them. The principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and wicked spirits in high places. He's greater than that. There is by no other name that we can be saved. There is by no other name that we can be saved. But it's in the name of Jesus. And it's by the blood of Jesus Christ. But, you know, uh, um, in, in December, when we talked about moving from the, the cradle, the, 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 the manger, into the cross where Christ gave his life and shed his blood as an atonement for sin. And then we moved into the throne room. That's what I want. I believe as you move from the cross, knowing Jesus is your Lord, Jesus is your Savior, that he shed his blood for us. He atoned my sin. He took that sin on his back. He atoned those things. But he's not on the cross anymore. He's not on the cross. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And well, I want to move into the throne room. I want to move into that area. We can stay and spend our whole life there. And some people that don't even know Christ just might know him as baby Jesus. And they can stay right there. I want them to move into salvation. But not only moving into salvation, you move into victory. Because we did. He has defeated death, hell, and the grave. Yes or no? Absolutely. That has been, that's a done deal. Say, it's done. Death, hell, and the grave. Somebody said, well, if you die now, what's going to happen? I'm going to be absent from the body, present with the Lord, babe. I'm going to be, you know me, I'm not, I'm not going to be worrying about y'all. I don't think. I think I'm going to be in the presence of God. You know what I'm in the presence of God is just, I mean, things just, you just don't, I think it's bigger than we ever can imagine but we begin to move into that and with this sonship message is shifting us so do we still do warfare sure do we still pray absolutely do we still war and pray you got to you got to be led by the spirit of god and if he says war war pray pray rest i think we got to come to a place of even rest and then we got to come to a place of worship Worship, and that's what we want for for you guys to say. I want to get to this place. How many of you would say, when you read the Word of God, that is probably your entry point into the things of God? That that there's three things. Okay, okay. There's one is the Word. The other one is even hearing the message being preached. The Bible says, "How can you hear without a preacher?" And the other one is worship. Okay, now we're not talking about just worshiping with with song because worship is even greater than that. But how many of you would say in order for me to really connect with God first would be through the word, reading the word, anybody or studying the word? Okay, got a few. How many of you would say from hearing the word, hearing the preacher preach? Okay, so I got. Right, but that would be the word, or you're saying hearing it. No, I'm saying when you hear, uh, okay, it would be either reading the word, saying it to yourself, reading it loud, confessing it, whatever it might be, would be one. The second thing would be, um, would be, uh, got me off track here. Hearing a message, thank you. 
hearing hearing the word he, the word or somebody preach that really can get you and the other thing is worship so we've got three things how about worship okay I see um, the majority of the hands want to worship okay how about um hearing hearing somebody preach it's all good and we need all of that okay how about just reading reading the word I mean there's some people that I know man they'll do a read the word and they'll read the word and they'll read and read and read and read and read and they just I mean they can read and I know I'm, I'm thinking man I get stuck I, I read something and I'm thinking about well, yeah what's it mean to be imitators of God you know what I mean what What's it mean to be imitated? What's it mean to be an imitator? Am I an imitator? Am I going to imitate God? What, how am I going to do that? And I'll get in that. And some of them just can read, and you can just you just go through it. And I'm like, okay, when did he say this? And where did it come in at? And is he quoting the Old Testament and the New Testament? So sometimes if I'm reading, if I'm reading, it's usually like a paragraph. <laughs> and then I'm getting in deep. And that may be some teacher or learning or stuff like that. But I think whatever it is that gets you there, we got to get there. Would you agree with that? We got to step into that. And if it's worship, then we need to come ready to worship. We need to come expecting God to do something. And our goal is, is I want to encounter him. Because here's what I know. I've seen people get saved. And you have to. They've given their life to Christ. They truly love Jesus. And if something happened to them, they would go to heaven. They truly love them, but there might be something there in their life that they're having trouble getting over. And there's times where it's just like you need an encounter with God. So whatever that might be in my life, and I'm struggling, and I'm coming out of it, and I'm going back in it, and I'm coming out of it, and I'm going back in it. Because we've seen in 12 years of ministry here, we've seen people come in and go out and come in and, and go out and really fight. Really, and some just get to victory, and they're really good. And some, you know what I'm talking about? And some get to victory, and you know they're doing really good for a year, two years, or whatever. And then that thing comes back in, and they end up stepping back in it, and then they'll break out of that thing again. It's like, why is that? Do you ever wonder that? Why is it that I was thinking about Mario? There are times Mario got delivered supernaturally of drugs and alcohol. Boom. Just like that. Give his life to the Lord. Boom. He got delivered of that stuff. And I'm thinking, I struggle. Now, there are some things that I got supernaturally delivered of. Why do some people get supernaturally delivered of one thing and others struggle with that? And then sometimes it makes us doubt God. Can I be real? Because we do that. So when I come in and doubt God, is the enemy, it's not God saying doubt me. It's the enemy saying like, like he did uh, Eve in the garden. Did God really say don't eat from that? He's withholding something from you. You don't want to go in there. If you go in there, this might happen. It may not turn out the way you want it. Don't believe him for something because you might just get disappointed. I, you ever heard that voice? I've heard that one. So we come to that place and say, you know what? That's not God. You know, you know when you hear the voice of the Lord. You do. You do. And it's just about being obedient to that voice. So I think my prayers are changing. 
my prayers are changing to the point of, uh, I'll use Angela as an example. If there's something in her life that she's, that she's really struggling with, that she, she knows she is, and we all got something, that if she's struggling with my prayer, is that she encounters God. Hello. If we encounter God in that area, I'm telling you, he'll do something with that. And it can be it can be a done deal. I'd like to get to the point of there's this old song, the, the point of no return by sticks. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I get the point of no return. I want to get to the place where with drugs, I, I, I got to the place of the point of no return. I don't have to go back. Are you with me? Because I had an encounter with God, and that's not where I need to be. All right? So uh, coming out of that, then I reach the point of no return. I don't have to go back. I don't want to go back. Can I say that? I don't want to go back. So whether it's whatever it is, anger, issues, jealousy. I mean, I could list them all. we got a whole laundry list that's there. So our prayer now begins to shift and change that whatever's going on in your life, whatever you're dealing with in your life, that you'll have an encounter with God in that area. If you will get in agreement with us, and God, give me an encounter with you in that area. Here's what I believe, and I believe this, that you will, you may be traveling down the road and you may have to pull your vehicle off to the side because the Holy Spirit just came into the car and you begin to weep or moan or wail or whatever. And maybe you don't do nothing, but you just don't know what to do. And God begins to move and you encounter him. I know people who have gotten saved by driving down the street, listening to the radio. People that have gotten saved by watching TV and the spirit of the living God just talk to them through the television set. I'm not talking about some weird, wacky kind of stuff. I'm talking about the spirit of God literally talk to them and they have an encounter. Some of you may know uh, Danny Sherrill. Um, I was being I was talking to to a, a brother and he was telling me about Danny Sherrill. And uh, does anybody know Danny? Anybody remember Danny? Okay. And and you guys will know this. You probably heard the testimony. He was like, he, he was drinking beer and watching television, and he he got saved. So every day he'd go home, he'd get his beer, and he'd go home, and he'd watch Christian television. Now, some of us would go, that ain't God. Is it not? Because God's working through that. And Danny, I guess his testimony was, man, he was, and he did that for I don't know how long. And maybe you guys know, maybe a few months, whatever, might have been six months or something like that. I mean, he'd get off work, and he was like, yeah, give me my six-pack of beer, and he'd get, you know, whatever case, whatever. He just, he'd watch it, and he'd just listen to the Word and listen to the Word. And then one day, he was like, I don't know as if I need this. And I don't, I doubt his wife was getting on him, you know what I mean? She might might have been. But sometimes we try to be the Holy Spirit when we need just an encounter God. We need to come to a place where we can encounter God. 
We need to come to a place where the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And he brings us to a place. I had a lady come up to me today and she said, um, you, you guys were sitting there and the lady came up to me today and she said, uh, thank you for today. It was really powerful. And she said, um, she told me who she was and she said, do you remember my son? And I said, no. She said, uh, you let him to she's what she said is you saved him. And I said, no, no, I, I didn't save him. I mean, God saved him. But she said, you led him to the Lord. And I was like, that was a few years ago. I, I don't remember. Of course, I don't remember all the people I led to the Lord. And I said, really? And she said, yeah. And we were talking about it. And she said, I want to thank you for that. And I said, you know, I appreciate that. But you know what? There was a time for him and the spirit was working with him. And he was ready. I said, I was just there. I said, she said, I prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him. And I still pray for him. She either sowed the seed. Or she watered it. And I came along and got the harvest. What it is, is sometimes we back off. And somebody might have been praying for this person. The person it might be your neighbor right next to you. It could be the person in the cubicle next to you. It could be somebody that comes in and sits down in your dentist chair. Do you know what I mean? That, 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 that God is already working on. And whether it's you sowing the seed, whether it's you watering that seed, and that seed begins to grow, or that seed's ready for the harvest, okay? So we've got to begin to look at things even a little bit differently and to know that when the Spirit of God says, visit with them, bless them, whatever it might be, <laughs> that there's, a, there's something going on within them, and it'll be sowing it, it'll be watering it, it'll be coming into a harvest. It'll be coming into a harvest. Okay, turn with me to Ephesians 6. And I'm just going to, uh, we're not going to get into this deep tonight. I want to talk about this one thing that I didn't have last week, all right? The view of admonition. This has just been stirring inside me. And on your sheet of orphan, we'll, we'll finish this next week or we'll work on it next week or we're going to be working on it till, till we go home and be with the Lord, amen? Um, but in the view of admonition, orphans, orphans have difficulty receiving admonition. Well, let's let me go back to let me maybe we've got the definition of admonition. Let's look at the definition of admonition. It literally means to call to attention. I think we have a gosh, I don't know how to say this. I think we have a skewed view of admonition. We have a skewed view of rebuke. Rebuke that thing. You know what I mean? It was it's 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 get to, it's begins to be skewed. So it means to Admonition literally means calling attention to. It means a mild rebuke or warning. It means gentle reproof or caution. To admonish somebody or to, would be to warn or to notify of a fault. To reprove with mildness. Say mildness. See, what we don't do is we don't do this. We do just the opposite. And, and it also means to counsel against wrong practices. To instruct or direct. 
Okay? That's admonition. Okay? Let's just go through the orphan, and I'll, I want to touch base on one point, and then we'll go home. Orphans have difficulty reading, uh, receiving admonition, even godly admonition, because they have difficulty acknowledging when they're wrong. Whew. In their own minds, they must be right, so when admonition comes, they receive it as personal offense and rejection. That's, I, I've been here. To justify their conclusions, they focus on others' faults, blame other people, try to vindicate and justify themselves, become negative and accusatory, or close their spirits, close their spirits to the one trying to speak admonition into their life. Now, how do sons, sons see admonition? Sons receive admonition as a blessing and need in their lives because it exposes faults and weaknesses that they may not be aware of. Anybody driven in a car and didn't see somebody behind you? Somebody come up to the side or that side, and they call that a blind spot. Better look around. It's in the blind spot. You can look in the mirrors, and sometimes there's still a blind spot. There are, there, there are sons receive this and say, hey, you know what? What's going on? What don't I see? Is there something that I don't see? Help me what I don't see. Okay? Sons also, they seek to put these weaknesses to death before they become relationship-threatening problems. Because this is where, how many of you know God's into relationship? It's all about relationship with him. It's relationship. He wanted a relationship. He had a relationship with Adam and Eve in the garden. Everything's been built on that relationship. When the devil came in, when the serpent came in, it came to break that relationship. Okay. Even though admonition may first cause their fur to bristle, <laughs> they recognize it as valuable correction and an opportunity for growth. Say, I'm a son. Come on, everybody. I'm a son. Without growth, there's no maturity, and without maturity, there is no inheritance. I'm not speaking of salvation, but the fullness of kingdom inheritance. So a scripture that we use quite a bit is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Another version says, the nurturing and the admonition of the Lord, right? Okay. So let's look back to that. First of all, to nurture just literally means to educate or training. Admonition can mean they just like rebuke, a mild rebuke. Is this admonition or not? You tell me. I'm going to give you an example. My son begins to run out into the road and it's in a busy highway and I say, "Hey, don't get so close to the road. Admonition or not admonition? Are you offended? Is he hurt? See what I'm getting at? So a lot of times what we think of admonition is not really admonition. And in an orphan heart, it thinks of it in a different way. So if my grandson comes in and the stove is on and I said, look, baby, don't put your hand on that stove. 
admonition? Am I rebuking him? It's a mild rebuke. Are you with me? That was the definition, right? A mild rebuke. Could he get upset? Sure, he could get upset. But as a son, he's like, okay, look, look, I'm just trying to protect you, right? So why do we view it differently when it comes to the body of Christ? My wife, my wife is not my Holy Spirit. Praise God. She's got her own Holy Spirit. I got my own Holy Spirit's mine too, right? But there's some things that she can tell me that I can receive that you may tell me and I may not receive it. There are maybe some things that you could tell me that I might receive. If I'm a son and operating as a son, I might receive the correction. You with me? Is it making sense? See, I want, us, I want us to view it differently. It's not about what you're correcting. You did this wrong, you did that wrong, you did that wrong, you did that wrong, you should have done this, could have done this, could have done that, could have done this. Sometimes you've got to walk it out. <laughs> and we're learning. As a child, you'll fall down. you say, oh, I'm so sorry, so sad. Come on, get up. And you want to go, if you didn't do that, if you know, if you saw, if you were walking with your eyes open, you wouldn't have saw that, and you wouldn't have tripped and fell, and you wouldn't have busted your head wide open. Now you got some stitches, and that, you know, you just deserve what you got. Is, am I the only one that thinks that way? But that's an orphan heart. That's not a, a sonship heart. So we're shifting to understand that. That, when, that as a son, if that we look at this and we say, okay, if somebody says, hey, there's some, uh, the, re, the word rebuke, I think, is sometimes too strong. Or we take it to the next level of you, we rebuke you. I'm telling you, when we come into this admonition and understand the admonition that a father is to bring their son in, Bring them up in the nurturing, the education, the training, and the admonition of the Lord. That admonition of the Lord is just being aware that Holy Spirit might go, hmm, you might think about that again. I mean, I've not, I don't know of a time that I've heard the Lord strongly rebuke me. Maybe you have. And I don't know as if I would think, you know what I mean, that, I don't want, I want to be so tender that I don't want to be that. I don't want to have to do that. But I want to be tender to the place where if I'm turning to the right or turning to the left, and he says, hmm, you might want to go around that. Why? Well, because I got an appointment with James, and this there's a detour over here, and I didn't even know there was a detour over there, but the Spirit of God told me there was a detour so I could get on my appointment with James. So again, sons... Without growth, there's no maturity. And without maturity, there's no inheritance. So I want to do things right. I do. And I believe each and every one of us do. We have a heart for God. And we want to do things right. So I'm coming back to this encounter that I want God to encounter us. For us to encounter him to a place of maturity. Because my wife can give me, she can tell me some stuff. You know what? You were a little bit too strong when you, when you said this or that. And I'm like, okay, I understand. Or maybe you weren't strong enough when you said this. You know what I mean? You know, when, when he was running out to the road, you should have got on his hiney. 
You know? So when we come to a place, let's encounter God in this area. When it comes to admonition, let's not be afraid of what God's wanting to teach us because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's to teach and to train us. So he says, when fathers, he says, don't provoke your children to anger or wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We come to a place where we know it's gentle reproof or caution. Caution, 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 caution. I believe we can hear the Holy Spirit ourselves. Let's, let's encounter, say, God, let me encounter you. And I'm telling you, he'll lead, guide, and direct you. Just like he did Pastor Shelley in the midst of the thing that she was doing in Oklahoma City and, and, and made a difference in that woman's life. Okay? She not only had an encounter with God, but God used Shelley and some others to be able to have that encounter. Amen? So, as God wakes you up at night, you can say, thanks, Pastor. As he, you encounter him in the middle of a ball game, you can say, thanks, Pastor. When you're in the middle of working, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God begins to speak to you, you can say, thank you, Pastor. But I don't want you to say, thank Pastor. Say, thank you, Lord. And just receive that, okay? Just receive that. Let's have that encounter. Let me pray for you tonight. Father, tonight, even as we've just, just stepped into something, and my prayer is for us to encounter you. I don't want to be the same tomorrow as I was yesterday. I want to be different. God, let us be encountered with love. Let us be encountered with compassion. Let us be encountered with you. Because I know, Dad, when we encounter you, that these things in our life will fall off. We won't have to worry about who we are. We'll understand who we are. Our identity will be shifted. And we'll step into what you've called us to step into. I call forth every plan, every purpose, every avenue of the destiny that God has for you to open up in your life tonight to begin the encounter with you. In Jesus' name, amen.